Hey guys, it's Leah Buckles from Prestige Worldwide Medical Consulting. I'm a U.S. Army veteran, physician assistant, and former CMP examiner. I've been doing this series of videos about what happens in a CMP exam because a lot of times veterans just don't know what to expect. And the information is really very readily available for you guys to kind of see some of the questions that they're going to ask. So today I wanted to discuss chronic fatigue syndrome and what what happens in that type of CMP exam. Now, everyone's experience is going to be different, but generally the questions and the in the kind of the things that are discussed should be very similar in each exam because they use something called a disability benefits questionnaire. Right. Before we get into that, though, I want to briefly touch on what is chronic fatigue syndrome? How can it be connected to your service and things like that? I have a previous video that I did. Um, I think it's called chronic fatigue syndrome and VA disability. What's that about? So if you want to look at that, it will it will go into a little bit more detail on that um, in one of my prior videos. So chronic fatigue syndrome is a medical condition that we see in a lot of veterans. And generally, it's a diagnosis of exclusion. So in my opinion, this is just my opinion. If you have a condition like sleep apnea, um, sometimes you know, hypothyroidism, things like that, where there's, it's, it's a much more likely cause for your chronic fatigue, for your chronic fatigue. It's very difficult to say you have chronic fatigue syndrome. I'm not saying it's impossible, um, but the diagnostic criteria spe specifically states um, that you have to have this constellation of symptoms over a period of time. There's a whole checklist um, that is, you know, laid out for the diagnostic criteria. And one of those criteria are that you don't have a more likely cause for your fatigue um, and that these other conditions have been ruled out. So in the setting of someone who has sleep apnea, especially very poorly controlled sleep apnea, I think it would be very hard to say that someone actually meets the definition of chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, again, not impossible. This is just my opinion. Now, can you have chronic fatigue due to your sleep apnea? Absolutely. Cause you're going to be tired if you're, you know, just due to the basis of the, um, disorder. I've seen many veterans, um, I've read many rating decision letters and CMP exams that, that, um, they say that when they file it secondarily to those things. And it says, you know, it's a symptom of this disorder. It's not a separate condition. Okay. But again, this is, there's never an always or never, <laughs> I'm just letting you know, base, basically what I've seen in the past. So how is it service connected? So chronic fatigue syndrome is service connected. If you were diagnosed on active duty with the condition, it can be related primarily or on a direct basis to your service. Um, a lot of veterans, again, if you can show it's secondary to another service-connected disability and not maybe a part of that um, disorder, again, if you have chronic fatigue related to your PTSD as part of your PTSD, they may consider that a part of the disorder itself. Um, not always, but I've seen that before as well. Um, or a, a lot of times I'll see veterans rated for this as it relates to Gulf War exposures. So what do we mean by Gulf War exposure? So anyone that was um, in specific areas, right? And this is on VA.gov. You can go and look. So Iraq, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, the neutral zone between Iraq and, uh, Iraq and Saudi Arabia, um, Bahrain, um, UAE, um, Qatar, uh, Oman, um, the Gulf of Aden. The Gulf of Oman, sorry if I butchered Aden, I think that's how you say it, um, the Persian Gulf, the Arabian Sea, and the Red Sea. So they talk about the waters surrounding and the airspace above. Um, anywhere from like, 
I think it's 1990 or 91 until present day, right? So when we talk about Gulf War, it's not just the first Gulf War, it's it's to present day, okay? So um, they, they talk about functional disorders or unexplained illnesses, right? So I've seen, they don't list that I've seen chronic fatigue syndrome. I, they don't, and when I say they, I mean the VA, I haven't seen a lot of lists that specifically say one condition or another, but I've seen tons of veterans connected with chronic fatigue syndrome in relation. Okay. Also, if you just have chronic fatigue and that's not otherwise explained, I've seen veterans um, connected for that as well. Again, I'm not an accredited claims agent or a BSO or an attorney. I'm just a medical expert that assists veterans with these types of opinion letters. So you may want to follow up with a BSO on those kinds of questions when it comes to ratings. So what happens at the CNP exam? So you're going to get a packet in the mail generally um, that tells you your appointment time, where to go, who you're, who's reviewing your case. A lot of times it will say how long they have um, been an examiner and what their specialty is. Sometimes you can have a ACE exam or an over the phone exam, depending on what your um, contention is, what you're filing for. But if you show up to the exam, um, they may send you a packet of papers to, to fill out before you get there. So you show up and then you're going to go into the exam and the examiner is going to basically go over your uh, the DBQ with you, which can be also pulled off of VA.gov. You can also get this printed out and take it to your primary doctor where they can fill it out and you can submit it um, if you'd like in the hopes that you can skip the CMP exam. That may or may not happen. I always say, you know, just plan on going to your CMP exam, right, because they just order them um, to have their evaluations done. So if you go to va.gov, you can print out the chronic fatigue syndrome DBQ and you can look at this and I'm just going to go over it really quick so you can know some of the components. Um, so the first question is, does the veteran have current fatigue syndrome? Yes or no. Date of diagnosis, the doctor or whoever, PA's uh, nurse practitioner is going to fill that out. Um, if there are additional diagnoses that pertain to chronic fatigue syndrome, they want them to list that. Then they're going to um, ask specifically well, it, they note that for VA purposes, the diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome requires a few things. First, um, new onset of debilitating fatigue severe enough to reduce daily activity to less than 50% of the usual level for at least six months. Two, the exclusion by history, physical exam, and lab tests of all other clinical conditions that may produce similar symptoms. That's kind of what I was talking about earlier. And three, six or more of the following, acute onset of the condition, low-grade fever, non-exudative pharyngitis, palpable or tender cervical or axillary lymph, lymph nodes, generalized muscle aches and weakness, fatigue lasting 24 hours or longer after exercise, headaches, migratory joint pains, neuropsychological symptoms, and sleep disturbances, okay? So you can see where I can, there's some interpretation there about that ruling out other conditions, but most medical professionals would say, if you've got some of those other conditions, it's very hard to say that those have been excluded as the primary source, okay? And this is one of the biggest sticking points that I see, right? Um, I'm gonna tell you, honestly, I turn down more chronic fatigue requests than I do. I, I would probably say I turn down, when, when people ask me to write a letter, when I review it, um, if somebody comes through our, our um, group and they say, hey, I'd like a medical opinion for chronic fatigue, usually my gatekeepers, my um, support staff will ask them, you know, or, do you have sleep apnea? First of all, if they say they have sleep apnea, generally I'm going to tell them, hey, I don't even think you should sign up to have me take a look at this. I'm happy to, but I'm probably not going to write this type of letter, right? So 
I would say most of the people that request this, I turn down simply because um, of those overlapping conditions. And then if you truly do have chronic fatigue syndrome, um, I always say, and you're a Gulf War veteran, you should just go for it. Nexus letters are never required, but in the setting of something that's um, generally considered presumptive, um, I'm all about veterans doing um, the most affordable option for them, right? Okay, so back to the DDQ. So um, describe the history. So they're going to ask you about the history. When did it start? Um, and give a brief summary. They're, they're going to annotate whether you're taking continuous medications for the chronic fatigue syndrome. Maybe you're taking a stimulant. I don't know. Um, have other clinical conditions that may produce similar symptoms be excluded by history, physical exam, and lab tests? Yes or no. They have to answer that. If no, they have to describe why. Um, then it asks, did you have an acute onset of chronic fatigue? Um, next, these are yes or no questions. Has the debilitating fatigue reduced daily activity level to less than 50% of pre-illness level? Um, if yes, has it been greater or less than six months? Okay. And then does the veterans have any of the following findings and signs and symptoms attributable to chronic fatigue syndrome? And then it lists all of those other conditions where you have to have six of them that I talked about earlier. Um, the fatigue, low-grade fever, non-exudative pharyngitis, the lymphadenopathy in the cervical region or the... Um, axillary lymph nodes, and the, and the other ones I discussed. So there's check block for them to check those. Um, does the veteran have or have they had any cognitive impairments attributable to chronic fatigue syndrome? Yes or no. And if it's yes, is it inability to concentrate, forgetfulness, confusion, other cognitive impairments? If there's other things, they have a narrative that they can write it out. Um, specify frequency of symptoms whether they're near constant or they um, come and go. Um, then it asks them to discuss the chronic fatigue. Um, if it's near constant, do they re restrict routine daily activities as it compared to pre-illness levels? Um, and then it makes them quantify that, you know, 25%, 50, 75%, so on and so forth of pre-diagnosis, you know, how does it compare? Um, I'm almost to the end because I know this one's getting kind of confusing. I just recommend you guys look at this DBQ and it'll help you understand it better. Um, does it result in periods of incapacitation? Um, yes or no. And then ask them how long, at least six weeks, four to six weeks, two to four weeks, one to two weeks, less than one week a year. Um do they have any pertinent physical findings, complications, conditions, signs, and or symptoms related to any of the conditions um, listed in diagnosis section? They ask about scars because they always ask about scars because then it will spur them to do another DBQ about scars. Um, are there any significant diagnostic test findings and or results? So this would, this would be a place where I'd write that their sleep study was negative, that their thyroid labs were normal, things like that, if it was me. Um, does it impact their ability to work? And that's a narrative there. And then there's a remarks section. So that's it. So those are the things that are on that are basically going to be on that chronic fatigue um, exam. They may ask you a couple of other questions, but uh, those that's that's pretty much the guideline um, when it comes to VA ratings for this. Um, it goes and, and these are always subject to change. Right. So if you watch us in a couple of years and this has changed, I'm sorry. Um, it goes anywhere from 10 to 100%. 10% is um, comes and goes, and it it's um, at least one, um, but less than two weeks a year. And then 
20%, it talks about it being restricting um, activities less than 25% of pre-illness level, and the incapacitation is two to four weeks, and then it goes up from there. So 40% would be 50 to 75% of the pre-illness level is restricted, um, incapacitation at least four to six weeks a year, 60% is up upwards from that, um, restrictions from 50% of pre-illness level, um, and go from six uh, incapacitations of at least six a year. And then 100% is near constant and so severe as to restrict routine activities almost completely. Okay. I know those are confusing, but those percentages kind of line up if you can think about it with what I discussed was on the DBQ. So what they're checking on there is kind of helping the rater to determine like what category do you fall in with, right? Um, so I hope this was very helpful. I know it can get kind of tricky, um, but again, take a look at the dbq and that may help you um, understand it a little bit better and um, please let me know if you guys have any questions um, i wish you the best of luck if this is something you're going through it it doesn't sound like a front a fun disorder um please drop some comments if you have any questions like i said and um i'll talk to you guys soon thanks a lot